here we are for another episode of Stargate Weekly. I'm Stuart Hollis. I'm Thad Hate. And this week we are talking about Season 1, Episode 9, Brief Candle. Indeed. So tell me, what do you remember? Uh, quite a bit, actually, because I did watch this one on my most recent rewatch. Okay. So, I mean, I basically remember the whole thing. Okay. I remember none of it. Like, going into the episode, I remembered none of it. Even after watching the episode, I can I can tell you I understand why I remembered none of it. <laughs> it's like a mishmash of various other sci-fi tropes. Oh, yeah. Um, nothing about it really stands out. In, like, a more mature show, this would be just, like, almost like a bottle episode, but not. Except that in a lot of, like, in some shows, like, the bottle episodes are often fan favorites because they're so character-driven. Um, so yeah. that means this is nothing like a bottle episode at all, really. So let's get to the synopsis from TV Guide. A deadly virus afflicting a planet's inhabitants may have been created by the Goulds. We're back to the Goulds. Okay, so not completely inaccurate, but... Not really a good description of the episode, either. Right, it's, it's not even a good description of the virus, necessarily. Because it's not even technically a virus. Well, there's that, but I was just going to say that, I mean, I guess it's deadly in that they do eventually die from it, but it's... I don't know. It's fine. It, the, the, the synopsis is fine. It's perfectly fine for the, you know, otherwise forgettable episode that this was. Still a better synopsis than Weapons Deal. Yes. We'll just keep coming back to that one. Okay. Take us through it. Alright. So, we start with them with uh, some people in ancient Grecian attire praying to a statue. And the gate opens, and our intrepid crew comes in. This is the episode I was referring to when I said we'd see that Minoan set again. Okay. Yeah. No, uh... And uh, Jack is wearing a floppy hat. Yes, I noted the floppy hat. He still hasn't quite like settled into the ball cap yet. And I'm sorry, I interrupted you. What you were gonna say? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> so apparently, their arrival startles a woman into labor. Yeah, and I also I kind of thought that the guy looked a little bit like Nathan Lane. Obviously, sounded nothing like Nathan Lane, but like a tiny bit. Yeah, you know, like briefly for a second, and then I'm like, that's no, it's definitely not. But the, the woman looks familiar, but when I looked her up, I had not seen anything that she's been in, so I don't know why she looks familiar. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so she goes into labor, and they all kind of look at Carter, and thankfully Carter points out that's sexist and bad. Yes, quite. Uh, and then it's theme time. Yeah feels like a weird place for the theme but you know especially because like up until the theme happens like carter says her piece and then the camera just cuts to like each of them in turn sort of and they're all just just staring now it's like well i guess if carter can't do anything then we're just gonna watch whatever's about to unfold yeah and not help so then uh, then we learn that daniel has experience having given having helped uh, one person give birth in the past. Yeah, you know what? No joke. Like, he may not be that kind of doctor, but he's a well-traveled anthropologist who lived on 
an alien relatively primitive world for a year or more yeah i'm actually kind of surprised that his experience came from an archaeological dig on earth and not from abydos yeah you know the either with other humans or animals yeah yeah you'd think there would be a lot of animal birthings and that's like a standard trope it's like it's it's the person who's never birthed a human baby but has birthed many animals yes but they didn't go for that this time, so I'll stop talking about that trip. Okay, good. And then the baby is its a boy, and there was much rejoicing. And they name it after Daniel. Yes. And then we get Chekhov's birthmark. Indeed. Which I feel like, you know, we'll, we'll see it again later, obviously, because it's Chekhov's birthmark. But I don't know. I feel like they could have played it up more. Honestly, I think the only reason they put it in there was to make it more obvious that the that the little kid was actually the baby. I wanted the entire episode to hinge on the birthmark. I mean, we do get a like super close-up shot of it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they head to the village where uh, Alekos announces that he has a son. So we're back in the village where there is much rejoicing and a feast. There is. And uh, the women are over there checking out the baby, but also, like, tittering amongst themselves. Yep. And one comes over to Jack, says that she's named Kinthia, and offers him this, like, flower pizza thing. Yeah. She does. Yes, she does. (laughs) It it looks weird. Like, the flowers look weird like the purple flowers on it's like someone just made a pizza then sprinkled some flowers on top that's what i'm saying um and then when others try to eat some she points out that no it is only for him he eats the flower pizza stuff turns out the flower pizza stuff was drugs yeah i mean sure jack gets a little dance and then jack gets raped yes very much so and uh because yeah, that, that's the only explanation. That's the only thing that you can say about this. It is, in fact, it is sexual assault because he was not, yeah, in any position to give consent. Exactly. And his reaction upon waking up is, you know, mostly appropriate for what he had just gone through. Yeah, I mean, they, they at no point do they ever like even slightly call it sexual assault because, well, he's a dude. Yes. But, yeah. And everyone has fallen asleep all at the same time except for except our, our trepid heroes like jack bizarrely falls asleep 10 minutes later well he, he had just gotten infected i guess it just seemed weird to me you know he just got infected so it kind of makes sense that it hasn't fully kicked into his system yet i guess i guess hey, so man. then yeah then we have the next morning where jack comes out looking worse for worse for wear yes he points out that he feels hungover, and he also looks hungover. And then he sticks his head in a well. Like you do. I mean, how many mornings have you had where you're like, you know what, I could really use a well to stick my head into? Honestly, I have never woken up hungover. Hmm. I have gotten drunk. I have felt bad after being drunk. Yeah. But never, like, the stereotypical wake up in the morning, my head feels like it's going to explode. That's never happened to me. Oh, no. Definitely has. At least once or twice for me. Well, and now that I say that, it's like, I'm going to, like... It's going to happen tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. Because yeah. you know I'm totally drunk right now. Yes. Okay. 
okay, so he, so yeah, he ducks his head in the well. Um, he tells them to start asking questions about what, why these people might be, you know, all going comatose at night. Right. They point out that Carter and Jackson and Teal'c were not affected. He then sends Jackson and Teal'c to the temple to poke around a bit. Uh-huh. Teal'c points out that the symbols around the base of the statue are an ancient dialect of Gould. After we find out that the people who live on the planet have no idea of the concept of writing. Right, which, uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's okay. I, I'm not... I, it's weird, but it's not, it's not terrible. Right. I mean, it's possible. Sure. And then Teal'c goes to... You know, Teal'c says that they are in a sequence... Jackson's like, oh, like a combination. What's a combination? It's a sequence. The symbols are a sequence. What, like a combination? What is a combination? Well, it's a a sequence of symbols. Uh, Pops open, pulls out the ancient Gould tablet thing and the weird swipey stone. That just seems weird. Yeah, that comes back in later episodes. Yeah, it did seem vaguely familiar. And it is weird, especially with the fact that, like, when you swipe it over the tablet, then the new letters appear, like, 3D sticking out of the thing. It's weird. Yeah, there's many things about Ghoul Tech that doesn't make any sense. And Daniel has his geek out moment for the episode where he recognizes the script as something that they've never they've never been able to decipher. Yeah, so he geeks out about the script. They Then what happens? Then uh, we find out that... That this is when Carter goes to give a shell to the baby, and they find out the baby is no longer a baby. That's right, and they start going through. They try to explain the concept of years, which Carter tries to do it in a nerd way, and then Jack just cuts to the chase. Which, interestingly, that nerd way is the only way they explained it to the Knox in the last episode. Yes, but the Knox are wise with their wisdom. I'm just saying. Sure. Uh, well, that's because Jack wasn't there to jump in and be like, all right, enough of this nonsense. Okay. Um, they then find out that the kid they thought was 12 years old is actually 12 days old, which doesn't mean that the one day, one year math quite works out, but whatever. It doesn't, because especially because they say the kid looks, the kid does look older than 12 years old. Right. Which is... Which I guess means they grow quickly when they're children and then plateau. Because, like, Kinthea doesn't age at all that we can tell. Or none of the adults seem to age at all in the, however many days it is that they're there. Oh, that's right. You know, I had not uh, thought about that at all, but you're right. And obviously, since they've already pointed out there were no old people and no one looks over 40, mm-hmm. it must... The the, age, the accelerated aging must must plateau once they reach adulthood. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. And that's when Jack then discovers that he was also raped by a thirty-one day old woman. Yes. And he then sends them back to Earth once they determine he's been infected. I mean, I suppose they do a little bit more poking around with the tablet first, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. And then they head back to Earth and start doing more research they head back to earth once it gets dark and everyone collapses again and jack collapses with them and that's when they realize that he's definitely infected okay 
So we're back on Earth now. Carter's in the lab with Dr. Fraser. And, and yes. Something that I noticed is interesting. Why does Fraser's lab coat have her rank and Carter's not? I had noticed it. I hadn't given it much thought. My best guess is that Carter's lab coat is not necessarily Carter's lab coat. Oh, that could be. It's just a lab, a lab. coat that's yeah. there. Whereas Fraser is in her lab coat all day, every day. It is part of her uniform. I suppose that makes sense. Fraser hands over a floppy disk. It's the 90s. And we get that oh-so-sweet floppy disk, floppy disking noise. <laughs> and it loads up the, you know, the, the blood sample. And although they apparently didn't have a word for it, I immediately thought, okay, nanites. Yes. Which I then later took to start calling nanocytes, and they never really give, like, a explanation why. So, what I... It's like, I've all You know, obviously, on TV, like, almost every time, the whatever the computer interface is never a real computer interface. Right. But... On this one, it's open file, drive C colons backslash disk one. Okay, so think about <laughs> the original air date for this episode was September 12, 1997. Yes. High definition yeah. televisions yeah, no, I were know. not yet a thing. And they had to type the name of the file, research view. Right. And it's like, wait a second, this was 97. Deweys were a thing. Well, the military is often a little behind the ball. But, you know, the secondary function, too, is that no one's ever going to see it anyway. And that's, people can yeah. tell that you're using a computer because you're typing on it. on t Like, that's why... Yeah, that's true. That's why you know that they're hacking when they start typing faster. Or when the second person gets on the keyboard. <laughs> and honestly, I get I get more nostalgia from the monitor than I did from the floppy disk noise because... Uh, my family had an NEC computer in the late 90s, and we had this exact monitor. Well, la-dee-da. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. Now that we've gone down that raffle. Eh, whatever. So, uh, let's see. We cut back to the planet now? Yes. Jack has aged a bit. Yeah, he looks older. He, sure. Like, I'd say they're probably trying to make him look like 20 years older-ish. Hmm. Which, ironically, 20-year-older Richard Dean Anderson doesn't look as old as Jack here. Uh, that's all, that, I mean, that's that's a common thing, though. Yeah. That the age-up makeup often doesn't look like the actual person will in that however many years. I mean, Richard Dean Anderson is a very different-looking man today, but mm -hmm. not because of... Uh, obvious signs of aging sure anyway so they have their little powwow saying hey guess what you're definitely infected in fact you're extra double plus infected and we find out that and they find out that o'neill will probably be dead in two weeks and o'neill kicks them all out which at first i thought this was you know crotchety old man o'neill but then he gets to it's a little bit further in the explanation to realize okay no this that does make a certain degree of sense. Yeah, they definitely have a better chance of figuring this out at the lab at the SGC. Exactly. Which, although we're at the SGC and we see Dr. Frazier, no Walter, 
We do have General Hammond. We do get Hammond, which is, even if it is bittersweet Hammond, telling us that we need to kill Jack. Or let Jack die. Ironically, if Jack hadn't told them all to go back, they may have they may have figured it out sooner. You think? Well, since the answer was on the planet all along. Yeah, but would they? But you know, what ultimately led to the thing was them knocking over the statue, and that happened because Jack fermented revolution. Mm. You know, like you do. Right. I also was thoroughly expecting. So the part where he's having the conversation with. Alekos, and Alekos is saying, well, no one ever wanders out there because uh, Pelops would strike them dead. At this point, I'm already thinking, okay, there's some sort of transmitter or whatever, because yeah, nanites. And having not remembered the episode at all, it was great for me because I could like solve the puzzle all over again. <laughs> so, you know, I'm thinking, okay, there's some sort of transmitter thing going on. I was thinking it was involved with the temple. And that, honestly, I was expecting Alekos to, like, wander off the next day and get struck down because of, like, energy field ghoul tech stuff. Yeah, I can see that. That, like, causes the nanites to, like, do an electric burst or something. But instead, no, no, that happens at all. And I was kind of disappointed, really. And then we have a weird scene where the nanocytes eat the rubber gloves in the lab. And I was never quite sure how that happened or what that actually meant as far as anything i think it was only there so that then we would have the scene with hammond where he's saying nope everything about this needs to be shut down put away it's worse than radioactive this is bad jack can't come home because if it weren't for that then hammond would have little reason to think that it couldn't be contained and that they couldn't go back and continue running tests and whatnot so, something I find interesting. Okay, so aging is accelerated. But does that mean that hair growth would be accelerated? I was wondering about that myself. Because no one else's hair seems to be... Right, but again, none of the other characters seem to be visibly aging, so... Right, yeah. Hard to say. But Jack looks more and more like the Crypt Keeper every hour. Yes. And then, at some point, Jack does his weird, like, I'm just gonna move into the temple and just sit in this chair forever thing uh-huh. which is odd i don't fully understand it and that's when kenthia comes back in to talk to him and we get and we find out that they're married right because we because we had the old uh how'd i put it by our customs we're married you know because i handed you this stick poof we're married yeah that's another standard sci-fi trope that's what i'm saying like firefly did it i'm sure that star trek did it oh yeah I don't I don't remember Atlantis ever doing it. I don't think so. Okay. I think there was an Andromeda episode where it happened, though. Oh, I'm sure. After this point, Jack is kind of tearing into Kenthia quite a bit. And it reminded me of nothing else more than the bit in uh, The Sword and the Stone, where Wart, he's, uh, he's as a squirrel, mm-hmm. he's running around with the girl squirrel, and they're having a good time. And then, you know, he, like, becomes, like, a human boy again. And he's trying to, like, explain to the girl squirrel, that, no, 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 I'm not, like, I'm this other thing. And the girl squirrel's very hurt and very sad. And Kenthia reminded me of the girl squirrel. Yeah, I can see the parallels. Right. So what happened next? So then uh, we have Jack watching a video recording of Sam 
Teal'c and Daniel saying that they can never come back. That's right. And this is when we get to the conversation with Alekos. No, that was actually early. That was before that. There's many conversations with Alekos. The, the, the one where he says, elect, where he tells him that he can go out and go past the barrier and nothing will happen, that happens a while ago. It just He just didn't actually do it. Because I have it written later. I don't know. Is my notebook lying to me? Possibly. Cool. So one thing that I noticed was that I don't think he did it at the very beginning of the episode, but as he became crotchetier and crotchetier, that he kept, you know, the pronunciation of the false god's name went from uh, Pelops to Pelops to Pelops. Um, Jack actually said Pelops every single time, whole episode. He was just the only one who did that. <laughs> it seemed like he was getting like more and more exaggerated, though, with time. Yeah, it's like everyone else says Pelops, and Jack, you know, who, it just, it's weird to me. Like, I get how it happens, because Richard Dean Anderson is reading a script. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you think of it from in-universe, it makes no sense that he would have a different pronunciation for a, for these people who don't even have writings, God. I was thinking it more from the perspective of in the universe that it's just kind of a jerk thing to do. There's that too. But yeah. But like, why would he? Why would that even have come up? Because like, he would have heard they would. He would have heard them say Pelops. Everyone else would have said Pelops. Where would Pelops have come from? Since he wouldn't have seen it in writing. Okay, you gave this more thought than I did. Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so they so Jack gets annoyed when they give a bunch of fruit and veggie trays to Pelops right crude attack yes yes and he tells them that Pelops consider them slaves and that's when that guy whose name you've said multiple times but I can't remember Alekos yes that's it says well I will not be a slave and then they all yeah bring down the statue uh, yeah they you know they went from you know zero to revolt really fast yes it was like crazy fast a little bit but you know they only had 10 minutes left in the episode so they didn't have yes and you know the creator has blessed every man and woman with 100 blissful days so who's got (laughs) you know who's got time to really formulate a revolution let's just i feel like the revolution isn't really a blissful day, though. Of course it is. There's a lot of anger there. Well, yes, but then then there'll be much rejoicing, because they've overthrown the false god, and they'll have a feast. So then Jack and Kinthia go walking down the beach, and they go past the area they're supposed to. And neither of them get struck down. Right. And then they play tic-tac-toe, and Jack loses. The only winning move is not to play. Strange game. The only winning mood is not to play. And Cynthia says, will you, will you go the rest of your life without making love? And he's like, oh god, I hope not. You know, standard Jack. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then he realizes that they haven't gone unconscious. Despite the fact that it's been, it's pitch black, so it's been dark for a while. Hella and dark. they've lit a fire for light. <laughs> well, you know, you get caught up in a moment. <laughs> So they wander back to town, which apparently takes them, I don't know, like five hours. Well, you don't know how far they walk. For real. And we see a 
they pan over the people sleeping and a couple of the extras that they hired to be the people that are completely not unconscious move way too much. I mean, they never... We only ever see them sleeping briefly before. You don't know for sure that you don't get a little fidgety even in your weird nanite gould-induced sleep cycle. So that so Jack's like, well, there's got to be another variable. So yeah, he starts. You know, interesting to hear Jack doing the like yeah. scientific method. Anyway, they go they go back to the temple, and that's when they see the blinky thing inside Pelops' statue. Yes. And Jack tells Kinthia, I have a phone call to make. As if she has any idea what that means. You know, I feel like at the end of each season, there could be an entire episode that could have been filled with random native person going, a what? (laughs) Yes. Or, you know, because we get that plenty of times from the SG team members. Mm -hmm. You know, someone on the planet says something and they're like, Wait, hmm? But never the opposite. Like, it's much more rare to have the opposite. Yeah. So he makes his phone call. The team comes through in their mop gear. And then promptly discard it. Yeah, because that definitely wasn't necessary since they didn't get infected the first time. Right. I don't know. Maybe Hammond insisted upon it. So know. then there's the thing where Carter says it's a transmitter and mm-hmm. then it's half broken. And then the weird thing. Jax asks if she can repair it, and she says... No, sir, it's useless. I'm going to have to use the equipment that we brought with us. Why wouldn't she just say, no, but we'll use the equipment I brought? Yeah, it was just poorly phrased. I noticed yeah. it, was, it, it felt clumsy. Yeah. So anyway, they set up the equipment Carter brought and wake up all the people. Ta-da! And the people were a little freaked out because, damn, we overslept. Yeah. Well, for people who have never overslept in their life, you know. That's true. Huh. So, then, you know, they talk about stuff, and they say that the people will now have age at a normal rate, and that in Jack, the nanocytes were only mimicking old age because they were never designed to induce rapid aging in, a, in an adult. Yeah. So, how were they having any effect at all? Uh, yeah, how, like, how does he have a prostate problem to not get into? Don't worry. Aside from a little prostate problem we won't go into, it's not so bad. Yeah, like, that seems really weird to me, because if they were not designed to induce rapid aging in adults, then this weird, like, cosmetic fake aging is seems like a very strange side effect. Yeah, I suppose that if, alternatively, it really was only cosmetic and him... Largely saying, I still feel mostly the same, but I don't know why I look like a hundred thousand years old. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, he's clearly, like, sort of hobbling around, mm-hmm. and, again, that prostate problem he won't get into. That's right. And let's not forget his increasingly crotchety old man voice. Yes! <laughs> Querulous, I think, is the... Mm. I think you might be right. So... All in all, it was an episode. Yeah. It was alright. Uh, a little light on Teal'c. Yes. But Teal'c's eyebrows, they had a strong showing. We had a, I, There were a couple of really solid Teal'c looks. It was very light on Hammond, too. No Walter at all, which we already pointed out, but still makes me sad. Yeah. I mean, but, like, Hammond is, like, an actual, like, 
build cast member in the theme. And That's he true. was in, like, half a scene. Yeah. yeah. Obviously a Jack-heavy episode. Jackson and Carter, though, I feel like got uh, maybe Carter a little bit more than Jackson. Yeah, a little bit. But Daniel does have his moments. Doesn't he always? And it was, it was a Jack-heavy episode, and I'm okay with that, because I like Jack. But yeah, not like a super amazing episode, but not a bad episode either. It just sort of, it was an episode. Right. There's a reason why you tend to skip it. I don't usually, though. I actually usually watch this one. Really? Yeah. Wow, alright. I think because, like, after some of the really, the real stinkers, mediocrity looks pretty good. <laughs> okay. So, next week. Yes, next week. We have Thor's Hammer. Yes. Looking which has to a special one. guest star. Thor? Well. I mean, yes, but that's not who I meant. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember who the special guest star was. So well, I it's guess actually I'll the voice be... of someone. Okay. Well, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, this was a short episode for a yeah episode. Yes. Yeah, because we didn't have a lot to rant about because it wasn't terrible. Right, exactly. Uh, and we didn't have a lot to rave about because it wasn't yes quite but yeah so yeah uh you can uh, find us on twitter at stargate weekly i'm at gamicus on twitter where i don't tweet very like even at all i'm at tyrannicus on twitter where i also do not tweet at all all right well yeah thanks for tuning in yes we know that you noticed our super obvious dub over you were supposed to, because it's not like we were going to re-record the whole episode, just to correct the fact that we abruptly decided to change our podcast name. Also, we know that we tweet now. I'm just really slow with the editing. Sorry.